On this week's episode of the Native Immigrants Podcast, we talk about gender bias and abortion. Why is the abortion of girls still so prevalent within the British Asian community? The Native Immigrants are in the building. Hit the music. Salutations and welcome to another edition of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm your host, Swami Barakas, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jojo underscore B. What's going on, Jojo B? Hi. You are right. Yeah, fine, thanks. Yeah, because I always wait for you to say something, and then you never say anything else after. You don't even ask how I am, or like what how my day was, or how this week was. You're just like, Hi. Because I don't really care. You know, so you kind of have conversations with people and sometimes you haven't seen them for ages. And then you ask them, how's everything going on in your life? What's been happening? And they tell you everything about their life. And then they never ask you about yours. And you're just like, you inconsiderate wank. Aww. That's like you. But I see you every day. Yeah. I know what's going on in your life. <laughs> <laughs> you look like you're on drugs at the moment. What's going on with me? She's got that stone look on her face. If only. Like, like <laughs> yeah. Ex, ex stoner, ex heroin addict, ex crack addict, wife of Swami Varakis. That's that's uh, written on your CV. I've lived a colourful life. <laughs> right. Yeah. Is it a very extracurricular life? Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I can't even. I, I, we can't say any more because obviously there could be some feds and people like that listening. And you know what? People look at you as like a real positive role model for I women. Am. Uh, British in the British Asian community. I am. Okay. Are you going to th throw some words of uh, <laughs> advice and wisdom, Jojo P? <laughs> throw some motivational speech <laughs> for our amazing female audience. Don't take anyone's shit. That's what I will say. Right. Do you know what? Just tell it as it is. I've started doing this a lot more in life now. Just saying it as it is. Okay. If I see bullshit, I call bullshit. She does. And... Um, I can't say it's been a particularly successful tactic, but it makes no. me feel better. Yeah, no, no, it does. So you should do it. No, you definitely should. Um, you know, well, there, there you go. Free advice from the lips of a um, highly rated motivational speaker. Jo I do Jibby. do it though. I do it with my family. I What's do that? it with your family. I do it at work. If I see bullshit... I call bullshit. You do call call people out on it. But the thing is, you know, we something that we said in the very first episode of the Native Immigrants podcast, all the way back in March, where we said no one actually listens to us. Hence the reason, one of the main reasons we put out this podcast. And so, um, you know, all this time, do you feel people have now started finally listening to you, Jojo B? Or Probably is, not. Right. <laughs> if you listen, let me know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you listen in, if you're listening in right now uh, to the Native Immigrants podcast, legitimately go straight to your social media and just say, I am listening to the Native Immigrants podcast and at Nimmigrants podcast. And I see bullshit and I call bullshit. <laughs> yeah. That's what I want to see. So anyhow you do say, it, I will say, okay, so what were we saying the exact moment that you said, I'm listening to the Native Immigrants podcast? And if they say, uh, you, you were talking about uh, your marriage. 
<laughs> just the vaguest things ever. Yeah, you're talking about um, being brown. Being brown. <laughs> yeah. You're talking about some kind of topic of um, a, a gender, something a may, something with brother, something coconut, something kalire. Something. Yeah, I, we're, we will call you out on it and stuff. So if you are listening in right now, this very moment, whatever time of the day this is, any time of the week, get onto Twitter or get onto your Instagram or your Facebook and say, I am listening to the Native Immigrants Podcast. Okay. <laughs> All right, so let's get on with the show. Yes, um, I think that's probably best. Right, you know what? I've eaten so much food, my, my hips hurt. <laughs> I've eaten so much food, I feel really drunk from it. Yeah. We, we're we're on food coma right now. Yeah. Um, because this is not the normal time where we record our show, um, but this was a very busy weekend for myself and Jojo B, and so we're recording it on an evening. What did we do this weekend? Oh, what did we do this weekend? We did absolutely nothing. That's very true. Actually, because yeah. once again, I've not been very well. She has not. As is, you know, the pattern of this year. Yeah. And so, so well, you know, it's consistent. Was, yeah, I was put on enforced bed rest. Yeah, yes, you were. Uh, and which, I joined you. Uh, yeah, well, we sofa rest, really. Yeah, yeah. Couple, Curled up on the sofa, blanket. We put the heating on. Oh, my God. Do you know oh, what? my God, I, the first time we put the heating on. I legitimately feel slightly disgusted with myself for putting on central heating in September. When, you know, everyone... We had to test it before it gets really cold. We had to make sure it actually still works. But you know what it is? Every time we put the heating on, I have, like, my dad's face and voice looking at me saying which means why aren't you wearing appropriate clothing this is, i mean this is my tagline i always like i always say just put some more clothes on if yeah you're cold. exactly which is what we could have done i did fair. though i had a hoodie on and i had um like slipper socks i got them out the cupboard as well yeah so i was properly like wrapped up but then i was like oh we should test the heating Shouldn't just in low? case. Just it, in case, you know. Just in case just it's another winter. On. Do you remember that one winter where we didn't have any heating? Uh, and there was like two or three days uh, before oh, we got it yeah. fixed. And uh, it was yeah. absolutely freezing. A flat turns into an icebox. It happened yeah. also when I was in Newcastle over Christmas. Oh, shit. And that was a really, really cold winter. Fuck, you know. And uh, my dad gave us brandy to drink to warm us up. Oh, my God. <laughs> It's, it sounds like the most Punjabi thing to do, to be honest. You know, Punjabis <laughs> and St. Bernard's, you know, they deliver a good brandy when you uh, lease it. Would that anyone... is a really old reference. Oh, my God. Yeah, I just Does realized. Does anyone know what you're on about? <laughs> I just heard myself say that back to me. St. Bernard dogs with like the little barrel of like brandy. Like... <laughs> because I can just about remember that. That was a very early 80s reference that you made. Extremely early 80s. But that's the thing. My memories and my imagery is all... 80s based like if i think of something right now it would be something that links it to something that was from the 80s like my childhood so i'll remember something from like 30 years ago <laughs> but i won't remember like the first things we spoke about in this conversation yeah that's just old age but how come i remember it that far back but don't remember it anything now because that was your happy times <laughs> yeah exactly yeah times right now are dreadful you know but they're not that bad i kind of you know you have me that's the point I'm making. Um, so we're trying to look for a car at the moment. If you have any suggestions for cars. If you know anything about cars. Yeah, you know, because I'm, you know, I'm a worldly wise man. And there's never a topic that I can't talk eloquently about for 
hours on end. Except cars. He knows nothing. Cars I know nothing. It's kryptonite to me. Yeah. You know, I can't talk about cars for shit. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm trying to change cars. I want a nice car. Can someone advise me on a nice car? That is the vaguest thing that you've ever said. Yeah. I want a nice car. Yeah. Give someone... me a car that's that will enable me to drive from one location to the other. And it's nice. And a nice car. And nice color. Uh, those are the three key, uh, you know, three <laughs> he functions. He really is bothered about the color very much. Yeah. You know what? The th- thing is, you know what you think the older you get? We had this conversation the other day. Our uh, parents' generation still look at uh, Mercedes, Mercedes, as like, you know, the benchmark car. So I'll have like a friend of mine from work. He's in his 50s now. He still talks about Mercedes cars. He's an Asian guy. My dad was saying to me today, see a really nice car. He's just retired, right? Right. See a really nice car. I was like, oh, really? What was it? Mercedes. Yeah. I was like, you just retired. You need to save your money to like survive now. You yeah. can spend 20 grand or whatever it was, 20 plus probably, on a Mercedes. I was like, yeah. uh, my exact words were, this is random. Yeah. I was like, leave it alone. Yeah, absolutely. Seriously, though, I'm going to look out for a new car. And um, if anyone's got any suggestions on what, what would be a appropriate model feel free to let me know you know i mean you need to give them you need to give them a description of what kind of car you need what you have at the moment and then what you need to upgrade to well actually no because if i I tell everyone then people will start like locating me based off my car and obviously like i'm you know been trying to get the paparazzi and the the groupies away for the last like 10 years thankfully you don't have like um, a personalized number plate I should do, shouldn't I? SWAM1. SW4M1. That's, uh, please no. Um, uh, or B4R4CU5. What does that spell? B4R. Oh, right, Brack. You're a dickhead. <laughs> you know, you know, you get those other halves that support their, their husbands or their wives into everything they do, you know, and practically take up that same. <laughs> vocation just so they can empathize and kind of really you know support them fully none at all from my from my wife you know and she's always like you I know genuinely was so confused there that's the thing because because you don't give a shit about swami barakas you legitimately don't give a shit i do you got together with me from when i was a rapper and you slowly tried to grind the musician out of me he blames me i'm like go in the other room and do some writing leave me alone me? can you blame me though like can let me watch some tv can you blame me though do ya? go in the other room do your writing no i even bought you a special pen you did buy me a special pen and then i told her we're actually in the age of uh, computers now where so we won't really need pens it's not real writing if you don't write it down I think we've we've evolved now. Do you call people from your uh, the the telephone that you have to got the the ABC and you got to dial it round about fifty times to get to the number you want? I remember those phone call those phones. We used to have one. Yeah, I think everyone's everyone's. Did you have the one where you would have to hold the mouthpiece up and then hold the the other end uh, to your ear? Kind of. I thing? don't come from a Tom and Jerry cartoon. <laughs> come on. <laughs> not from like 1920s not from Hanna Barbera yeah exactly Thomas <laughs> Laurel and Hardy film yeah <laughs> oh there is a new Laurel and Hardy film coming out I was slightly obsessed when I was a child so we yeah. have to go watch it that was back in the days when there was four channels BBC 2 Saturday mornings 
Mm-hmm. It used to be like Laurel and Hardy. And yeah. like, and then they would put on some Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Yeah, they spit occasionally yeah, those films, yeah. Those kind of things. Mm. Love it. Yeah. Well, television is something that has been forefront in our week this week, Jojo B. Uh, at the forefront in every week because we're obsessed with the TV. Yeah, maybe we do need to stay away and actually maybe read some books or, or God forbid, talk to each other. See, this is the thing that I don't do since I got married is read. To me. Talk to me. Read. I talk used to, to read vociferously. Mm. That's a good word, isn't it? I'm surprised that I actually remembered the word. Well done, Jojo. Yeah, right. But well, I used to read a lot. Okay. And then I married you and that went out the window. Right. I also used to be a rapper and then I met you and look at me now. But anyway... We both watched uh, some television this week, a show that we mentioned at the end of the last show. Uh-huh. I was waiting for you to tell us what that show was, JJV. You're talking about Bodyguard. I am indeed talking about Bodyguard, which came to an end this past Sunday. It did. Um, so we're going to put spoiler alerts all over this part of the show. So please switch off or forward the show till the break. If you don't want to hear about Bodyguard... Uh, because you are just going to be dealt with all kinds of spoilers right now. We're going to tell you all about it. Yes, we are. Uh, We're not so much tell people about it, but just give our thoughts on the actions that took place. I'm going to say that I found the ending a little bit disappointing. Yes, I will also agree with you. Look at us agreeing on this. I know. Uh, Because it has been one of the most hyped shows on TV for I legitimately can't remember. They were saying it's had the best viewing figures for a decade on the BBC. Um, there was like 10 million people that watched the very first episode, a similar number for the for the finale this past Sunday. And it came to a chilling climax in uh, David Budd's story of trying to find who killed Julia Montague, yeah. the Home Secretary. And it was a case of who done it. It could be one of any number of people. There were so many possibilities and so many twists and turns and like, oh, was it this person? What did this? What plot did this person play? And all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, yeah, it was the Muslims. See, this is the point that I think we were going to make here. Uh, back on episode two of the Native Immigrants podcast, all the way back then. Look, we've already mentioned mentions <laughs> episodes one and two on this show. We're really we're really delving back, Jojo V. Go listen back to our archive. Yeah, exactly. Listen back to our archive for that show where we spoke about Asians in British pop culture and how we thought that Asians now on TV are only pretty much portrayed as terrorists or involved in things like forced marriages. Now, with this show, Bodyguard, uh, the very first episode showed uh, a timid uh, Asian woman that looked like she'd been a victim of uh, terrorism in that she was coerced into a lot of these things. Yep. But what happened was, she was the mastermind the whole time. Yeah, it was quite. That was quite a nice little twist that she wasn't a meek, you know, put upon Muslim wife. Yes, she was actually the brains behind the whole operation. Yep. And she, there's this lovely moment. The acting from her was very good. With this lovely moment where she just switched. Yes. And you could see her facial expressions just become like pure evil. Yes, Anjali Mohindra, her name is. Very good acting, I thought facial mm. expressions and stuff and just, yes that was very very good so she did very well in her role mm-hmm. but essentially the muslims did it essentially <laughs> the muslims did do it um and i think this is the 
the point we were trying to get across was I thought we come to a point now where we don't need to see more Asians on TV being terrorists or involved in terrorism or involved as fundamentalists or radicalists but anything involved with terrorism you know and and I felt you know it it was a bit of a shock ending because you didn't suspect it but deep down but it was the most obvious option yeah they went down the obvious route I felt like it was a bit of a cop-out because I think it would have been a, a lot more controversial telling them from the fact that there was someone inside at a higher position, whether it was the MI5 or someone from counterterrorism, you know, someone from the higher establishment. It would have been a much better twist that it was like, you know, she was brought down by the system. Yeah. You know, by the man. Yeah. But um, what do you feel about the, the Scooby-Doo style ending where the villain would basically just tell the entire story of how they oh actually my God, got that was so that. fucking convenient oh, and I'm I would have gotten away with it I would have gotten away with it it wasn't for you pesky kids yeah basically I'm going to spill the beans I'm mm. going to tell you everything literally everything that was in my plot yes yeah. because you know why wouldn't I <laughs> yeah was what bollocks is that? Yeah. That I was, I was, yeah, I was a bit disappointed with. Yeah, all of that. the whole episode before then, I know it was a little bit far fetched and slightly even Bollywood in terms of its uh, ludicrousness of uh, the whole. I'm going to walk through London with a bomb strapped yeah. to me, yeah. all the way to my house. As you do. So it was, it was a little bit far fetched, but it was still gripping TV because we were sat there tense as shit yeah we got really involved can't lie i really wanted to know how it was going to end yeah of course but i think they just tried to wrap it up too quickly like they had built it up and built it up and kind of really gone like so intricate with the plot Mm. and then they were like oh shit how do we end this now yeah (laughs) how do we tie up all these loose ends ends, in this one episode who the fuck is chanel yeah what who was she who was she connected to how come she had this amazingly plush pad yeah why was she so rich why did somebody call her Sam yeah. in one of the episodes? That never got explained. Yep, yep. Like, how did she get this job with the Home Secretary and then spill coffee on her and laugh at her face and not get in any trouble? Who the fuck was Chanel? Yeah, who was she? And then who was Longcross in the end of that? He worked for MI5, but there's really no backstory in him at all. And, and there was he, a, he just got blinded by acid or something. Yeah. And, and that was the end of that. This is it. You know, so what was what was his backstory? Who was he? You know, and then was there anything up with the... Uh, what was uh, Gina McKee's character? She was the head of counterterrorism. Yeah. Yeah. There's something sinister with that chick through the whole time. I'm still... I'm. There's something still shady about I thought her. she was in cahoots with um, David's boss. Boss, yeah. And so I was really confused. Yeah. But it turned out that Gina McKee... We do love Gina McKee. As an actress, yeah. Yeah, um, that she was actually the goodie. But was she though? That's the thing. I don't know. But she kind of it seems like she was. I don't know if they're leaving all these loose ends that yeah. so that there's gonna be a second series. Mm, yeah, potentially. But yeah. to be fair, I don't really care about what happens in the second series now. Do you not? I kinda I kinda like, feel it's like gonna have to be really, really good. They killed the home secretary, so it's gonna have to be really good. Yeah. I think like I said, there was there was there was six episodes to this. Five and a half of these episodes were absolutely amazing. I think it got let down a little bit by the ending. I would say four episodes are really good. All right. Well, I might agree. Like to really, really you. good. And as soon as she died, I started. I was like, mm. that, there was a trending topic whether working out whether this woman was still alive. And so I think people are a little bit flummoxed. Still, they're like, no, she, the, Julia's still alive. No, she's dead. <laughs> yeah. She she got blown up. She did get blown up. Yeah. Yeah. She died. Accept yeah. it and move on. Yes, indeed. Um, I, what I did think was very, very good was the fact that they dealt with the issue of post-traumatic stress disorder. Yes. Amongst uh, veterans of 
the war. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I thought that it was really good to see him be vulnerable. Yeah. And it not be like a, a kind of source of shame or anything. Absolutely. He was just trying to carry on so that he could get something done so he could find out who killed her. And then he was happy to then accept the fact that he needed help. Yeah. 100%. And um, people around him were very supportive and offered that help. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I thought that was... Um, that was very good. And, you know, to see a man struggle with his mental health issues and stuff, was that was a really interesting. It's an, it's an often, neglected, often neglected issue. And I'm glad they highlighted it. And a, and a massive show like this, which got, you know, a, a really big uh, viewership, um, put across the fact that this is a very traumatic experience. And he was dealing with trauma every single episode. So by the end of it, you were like, you really, you really vouched for the guy and like, get some help, you know, get yourself in a better mental state. And the fact they gave him a happy ending as well with his family, I think was, uh, really? No? Yeah, well, I'm making a face at him because I'm like, well, I kind of didn't think that his wife would go back to him because I thought, you know, she had a boyfriend. She hasn't which, gone back to him. A boyfriend that we out. thought was going to pop up and be someone important in the whole plot line and was yeah. nobody because he was just somebody that was just spoken about and never seen. Yeah. Maybe she made him up. But, um, yeah, loads of loads of loose ends. I think they all need tying up. Um, but there might be a case for all those in uh, season two. So uh, watch that space. I thought, uh, can I just say that I thought Richard Madden was very good. I thought yeah, he was yeah. very good all the way through. Some of the other actors, maybe not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, Keely Hawes, she was um, brilliant yes. up until the point she died. Um, and I think that's when they were both at their acting best when they were together. Yeah. After that, I think maybe the plot got a bit funny and so some of the acting got a bit dodge. Suspect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's just good to see really good television back on the BBC again. There's a few good series out at the moment. Killing Eve has got some amazing plaudits, as has Black Earth Rising. Um, so, you know, it may be the time for The Beeb is back. Well, did you see the next trailer for the, the next show that they're going to have to do with, like, involving Asians? Oh, yes. Informa. Informa. Again, yeah. once again. Muslims, terrorists, yeah. Asians, bad. It seems to be a running theme at the moment. We try to change that here on the Native Immigrants podcast, but I guess it's all slow baby steps. Anyway, that is the first half of this week's episode of the Native Immigrants podcast. When we're back on the other side, we'll be talking about a big topic at the moment in the British Asian community, and that's gender bias. See you on the other side, people. Welcome back to the second half of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. Uh, before we start anything on this half of the show, I want to give a quick happy birthday shout out to two people. Who are they then? The first is Melzo. Aww. We should say a big happy birthday to our friend Damien Melzo. Happy birthday. Uh, if you don't know who Melzo is, Melzo is the man who's provided the theme music of the Native Immigrants Podcast for all of our shows. Producer extraordinaire. Producer extraordinaire. We've done numerous tracks uh, together in the past, and he's always working on new material. If we ever hear it, we'll, we'll let you all know uh, to go out and support his projects because he's an amazing producer and an amazing dude. Yes, and he's my rum drinking partner. He is indeed. You two are a couple of pissheads. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, <laughs> he had his birthday this past week. So I want to give a big, massive happy birthday shout out to him. And also happy birthday to Parley Patel. Happy birthday, Parley. Big up, Parley. How do you say happy birthday in Gujarati? Janam Divas no Mubarak. Yeah, that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Is that what it's called? Something like that? How is it in Punjabi? Happy birthday. To <laughs> see <laughs> happy birthday party. Is that how it is? Huh. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, happy birthday. I uh, hope you both had an amazing day in September, the month of love. We're still carrying on the month of love, which it's we started we started a couple of shows ago. Thing. September is the month of love. So it just makes these things up. If you're lucky enough to be born in September, much love to you. Anyway, <laughs> but on to more serious matters. Um, so recently, Labour is calling for a ban on parents-to-be being told the sex of their baby after early blood tests amid fears it may lead to abortion of girls. The non-invasive prenatal test is used by the NHS to test for genetic conditions, but people can pay for it privately to discover a baby's sex. Labour MP Naz Shah said it was morally wrong for people to use the test to abort pregnancies based on the outcome. Ms Shah, who is Shadow Women and Equalities Minister, said cultural practices in some communities like the South Asian community have a preference for boys. She said this put great strain on women, forcing them to adopt methods such as NIPT to live up to expectations of family members. This uh, news came out the other week, Jojo B. What were your thoughts on this? It's been a long-standing issue within the South Asian community. Yes. I think also it's an issue amongst other communities as well, the minority communities, mm-hmm. um, but particularly so with South Asians. Um, we, we all hear it. Have, we've all heard it at some point or another. Someone's pregnant, they go, oh, hope you have a boy, hope you're blessed with a boy. Yeah. But, you, you know, you hear it and it's a blessing to have a boy. Yes. And... Although I've not personally heard anyone say it's a curse to have a girl, mm. it's never seen as a blessing to have a girl. It's, I think for a lot of people of our older generation, uh, there's the, obviously we've come to a time now where you kind of feel that as long as your baby is healthy and happy and there's no complications during the birth and the mother is fine, it shouldn't really matter, obviously, what gender your baby is. That's the ideal way of thinking things. Yeah, yeah. but... Um, but I know just from, you know, people within my community, uh, extended family even, I've heard for in the past, um, where, you know, they would have a daughter and it wasn't really a, a happy occasion uh, for people. It's a disappointing view to have to hear from people, an opinion to have to hear. And, you know, like my dad gave out Laddus when I was born mm-hmm. and he gave out Laddus when my niece was born. Right. And both times, there was 25 years between those. Both times, people were confused as to why he was giving out Ladu. Yeah. You've had a girl. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, welcome to the girl. Happy that we that she's here. Well, you don't need to give out Ladu. You don't need to be wasting your money, basically. My dad was like, no, it's just as special to me. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a blessing in, in all ways that we've got a healthy, happy child. Yeah. And, uh, it's a very strange 
I find it so strange that people would think this way, but it all comes down to that whole kind of the boy will carry the name on uh-huh. and the boy will keep the wealth within the family. The yeah. girl takes it with her. And if she was, if she was to get it, she would be giving it to her husband's family yeah. and all this kind of bollocks. So it all comes back down to money. Yeah, <laughs> it, does, it does. It really does boil back down to money. Um, I've heard in the past where people have said that I'd rather have um, boys than girls uh, because with a girl, I'll have to pay for the wedding. And that would be a cost that I'll have to bear. And the burden of that, you know, the word burden um, is something that I'll have to incur. And that's a, a bulge, massive, that's a massive financial um, investment, basically having a girl. Uh, whereas with the boy, it would be his wife's side of the family that will take care of that cost for us. This is a really old school mentality of thinking that, you know, um, I'll have a son and his wife will bring a dowry with her. Yeah. You know, like, you know, that it's just a ridiculous thing to think. Um, and if anyone's been involved in organizing a wedding anytime recently, the boy side have to pay out as well. It's yeah, not cheap. Yeah. You know, weddings are expensive, whether you're the father of a or mother of a, a son or a daughter. It doesn't make a difference. Mm. Um, and dowries are not a thing anymore. No, no, thankfully they're not in this country. But unfortunately, there's been a big jump in the number of Asian women having abortions in the UK, according to figures from the Department of Health. It reports that 11,743 abortions in 2010 were that of Pakistani, Bangladeshi or Indian origin. Most of these belong to the 20 to 34 age range in the England and Wales region. In 2011, it was reported that over 196,082 abortions that were registered in England and Wales, 10% were Asian or Asian British. So that would be approximately 20,000 abortions. 32% of these Asian women had already had an abortion before. Um, experts have said that growing numbers of British Asian women are practicing premarital sex and living more independently with a higher freedom of choice. And that could be one of the key reasons for a lot of these abortions as well at the same time. So, you know, what they're trying to basically say is that whole, which we said in a few shows ago, is about it and the shame aspect of being pregnant before you're married. Uh, that's also a big reason for a high number of abortions as well. So, aside of the whole gender bias see now i'm pro-choice and i think it's a woman's right to choose whether i agree with that or not with her reasoning behind whether the choice that she's making or not you know that's another matter but i feel like a woman has the right to choose Mm -hmm. um whether she goes through with a pregnancy or not right so if she's in a position where she's got pregnant because she's had an accident with, with with her partner yeah um, or she's at a one night stand or she's been, you know, raped. You, you don't know what the reasoning is behind all of this. Yeah. If that happens, fine, whatever. That is her choice. Right. You know, if it's to do with the gender of your child. Yeah. Not being what you wanted it to be. Again, it's their choice. But I feel like that's a really disappointing reason to do that. No, that's I think that's a pretty horrific reason to want to choose to abort your child based on that. If it's a case of, you know, sometimes these girls have such massive pressure on on put on them from their families, and and if you're married, um, from your in-laws as well at the same time, sometimes there could be a umpteen number of reasons coming from all different factors within your own family, pushing you and pressurizing you to have boys and on, and because of that women go through 
a horrendous choice and have, I mean, having to abort their child. Um, I can't even say I can understand that logic, but I can, I can, because I'm not a woman and putting myself in those shoes from the ridiculous number of factors around you, you know, um, making you or pressurizing you into making that decision. You know, I can, I can see that logic. I think the problem here is less to do with the fact that they have access to abortion Hmm. and more to do with the fact that there is still this lack of value for females yes within south asian society i as i said i'm pro-choice and i will always want that choice to be there for a woman and i don't want anyone to have to dictate that yeah the way that it's set up at the moment is the way that i think it should be set up at yes. the moment. we um women have access to abortion up to a certain point in their pregnancy and that's the choice that they make or they make with their partners and i think that they should be free to do that mm. like i said if i agree with their reasoning or not doesn't matter it's not my it's not my decision yeah it's their decision but what i do have a, a problem with is the lack of value that women seem to have still Shockingly, yeah. in this country, India's a different matter, you know, and that's the different society with a different um, a way of living. We live in this country and we know better yeah. in terms of what a value of a woman can be. And as I said to my parents, I, you know, I look after myself. I don't need anyone to look after me. Mm. I can look after myself. So then why would I be seen as a burden upon my parents? Yeah, yeah. That's the problem, is that there's this still very weird old school mentality of, but boys bring more value to the home. They'll keep our wealth at home. They'll do all of this seva for us. You know, they'll work for us in terms of looking after us and all of that kind of stuff. They'll stay with us. Our daughters have to leave because they have to get married. Yeah. You know, they'll leave us. This is still the bullshit mentality that exists. Yeah. And I think that 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 needs to change. And that's that's the fundamental problem with it with this issue. Yeah. Is that, that that mentality doesn't seem to have changed and actually is still quite prevalent amongst women of my age group. This is the yeah, this is the thing. Um, you know, because you look at an analysis of data from the twenty eleven national census, broken down by country of birth of both father and mother, it revealed anomalies in the ratios of children's sexes in some ethnic communities, which the independent said can only be explained by the abortion of female fetuses with the hope of then quickly becoming pregnant with a boy afterwards. As many as 4,500 females have disappeared from national census records in England and Wales as a result of terminations based on children's sex. And most of these women are in the 20 to 34 age group. It's just shocking. Yeah. Absolutely shocking. Yeah. I can only put it down to the fact that, you know, there is, um, there is also a massive contingent of people here in the UK that are from India, um, you know, as well as people that are obviously born here. Like we've said on a few shows ago, when we were talking about things like Asian attitudes with the LGBTQ plus community, mm. um, you know, as well as communalism within our communities, those old theories and mentalities and thought processes haven't really changed. You know, we've come so far as a community, you know, individual communities as well as a collective community. But that that logic hasn't really changed. And these numbers basically back that up. It's still such a prevalent issue within our communities. And this, these are communities where, I know I can speak from the Hinduism aspect of it, we pray to women. Women are some of the, some of the major gods in our religion. Yep. But yet they still hold such a low point of value within our communities. 
babies or if you're widowed. Yeah. You know, widowed women have no value or have, have been seen to have no value and can be put, moved to the outskirts as yeah, well of, of families and all of that kind of stuff. And it's, it's the same problem. It's the fact that here's a woman and we don't know what to do with her now because she doesn't have a man attached to her. Yeah. So, and it's the same with a baby, with a baby girl. What the hell are we going to do with her? You know, we have to bring her up. We have to spend our money, invest our money in her and she's going to piss off somewhere else to someone else's house and be married to them and look after them and not look after us. Yeah. And... I mean, if, you, if that's why you're having a child, you probably want to have a long, hard look at yourself as to whether you should be having children in the first place, to well, be fair. this is it, you know. You know, and what's even more shocking is, is that, I mean, just on a kind of anecdotal, personal note, that we know people who cannot have children. Exactly. And would kill to have a child, whether it be a boy or a girl. And here, these people are able to have children and are choosing to end the life of a child because they're having a girl. Yeah, People, people really take for granted having a child. It's, it's a gift. It's, I'm sorry, yeah, it's sad to say there's so many people in our life and I've known in the past that have been unable to have children. And, you know, the thought of having a daughter would just be the, their wildest expectations and dreams come true. And for people to terminate having a daughter purely based on, on her sex, I think is appalling. Um, and it and it really sets a horrible precedent for our community. And can I just say, it's actually, the onus is always put on the woman. Oh, she's having a girl. Oh, you know, it's all her fault. Yeah. Actually, it's the man and his sperm that decides the gender <laughs> yeah. of the child, the sex of the child. So look at your own sons. If you're looking at your daughter-in-law and thinking, oh God, she's bringing a girl into our family now. She's pregnant with a girl. Blame your son. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. if you really think that it's such a terrible thing, then have a, have a word with your son. Yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, no one can no one can dictate which way it's going to go. No, exactly. You, you know, nature decides because it keeps an even balance. That's how it works. Yeah. And if you're going to be blessed with a girl, appreciate that blessing. No, exactly. And there's a lot of initiatives that are out there at the moment trying to change this attitude. Okay. Um, so, for instance, um, I'm sure many of our listeners have already heard of the Pink Ladoo movement. Yes, big up Pink Ladoo. So, Pink Ladoo, if you're not familiar with them, is a project that was set up by uh, Raj Kera. It was her response to what she felt was the, um, as she puts it, the urgent need to raise the value of women. And it was inspired by the negative reactions that her family received when her sister was born, when Raj was 10. And her interest in just the impact of the sexism within South Asian and non-South Asian customs and traditions for boys and girls. And she just wanted to try and kind of reduce that disadvantage mm -hmm. that South Asian women have in the UK and abroad as well. Yeah. Um, from not only the South Asian communities, but within the actual kind of general society that they live in. Right. Because it's rife in, in society in general. Yeah. You know, so she set up this project where you give out pink ladoos awesome. when a girl is born. And the reason she chose the color pink was because although it's seen in Western society as being a kind of a meek color, a, a color of kind of, you know, an obvious kind of stereotype color. Yeah. Actually, in, in South Asian society, 
pink and red are very um, kind of strong colors and they mm-hmm. they they were celebrations by both men and women gulabi gang being a classic example exactly. of how much they've embraced the pink and, exactly. and used it as an empowerment tool. it's a it's a color of power and so she encourages people to give out pink ladoos and a lot of you know um, indian sweet shops have started creating them so awesome. you know barfia and i think um ambala and places like that they actually have pink ladoos so that you can order them and you can give them out when you have a daughter awesome awesome and it's to kind of say you know what i'm not ashamed of the fact that i had a daughter i am happy she's a blessing and this is what i'm going to do i'm going to shove it down your throat and make you accept it as well yeah exactly um because there used to be a, a point where people didn't hand out anything yeah. when having a daughter in the past um i know that happened on, on, on numerous occasions from people that had their daughters back in the 70s and 80s uh within our communities so i'm glad to see at least little steps are being made uh from organizations such as pink lady to to change the design you know to change the ideals and the beliefs and if it starts at that kind of level then it will filter through to to people and to society as a whole um and it's not about saying our oh, daughters are better than sons it's just to say that they're equal yeah you know your daughter can be just as much of a loser as your son is a loser <laughs> yeah, you know exactly. but that's equal you know you have you treat them at the same level and they have the same expectations of them yeah so if you expect your son to look after you you can expect your daughter to look after you if your son lets you down then your daughter's allowed to let you down as well yeah you know yeah. it's not that you one is better than the other and that's why you should you know you love your daughters more or, or anything like that you yeah. love them equally you bring them up equally and you hope that your children don't act like dickheads yeah you yeah, know exactly. whether they're female or male yeah yeah your kids are ra- have been raised in the same house with the same morals and ideals if you've got a son and a daughter you know raise them the same way and they'll treat you back the same way it's not a case of you know expecting more from a boy and expecting any less from a girl it's just it's all dependent on personality you think mm, yeah yeah rani bilku from the gina international organization says many women say they've suffered violence or been coerced into abortions because they were pregnant with a second or third girl online forums where british women discuss using nipt include thousands of posts where women express their anxiety about having a girl the program also found one area slough where women's clinics offering these tests were being promoted on roadside adverts labor mp for slough tan desi said marketing tests offering sex determination should be stamped out Communities in South Asia have made huge strides in tackling this social evil. He said that's been primarily through legislation banning gender determination clinics. In the UK, I think we need to be doing likewise with regards to the private sector as well. So really in India, they've actually been making changes. They've actually been implementing these changes and it's actually here in the UK where we're still actually lagging behind. I think there's this expectation that in the UK we would know better and we wouldn't do that anyway. Mm. And actually this is quite shocking that in places like Slough yeah it's it's openly promoted come and find out what the sex of your child is before yeah. you have because you not you would only find out your 20 week scan. Yeah yeah at that point. You know and at that point you're not allowed to, you have an anomaly scan basically so it, sh- it kind of brings up any kind of um health issues that your child might have so unless there's a serious health issue you wouldn't be allowed to abort that child at that point yeah 
you can abort up until 12 weeks, but you wouldn't normally find out the gender unless you have this blood test. Yeah, yeah. You know, and um, it's not freely offered on the NHS. No, you have to pay for it. Yeah. So if you go private and you have this test, you can make your decision. Mm. And it's shocking that it's allowed to be advertised on the streets of Slough. Yeah. India has made real strides in kind of trying to change that attitude and to reduce the um, access. Yeah. That that people have to these kinds of tests, mm. and to because there was such huge huge differences in the in the boy to girl ratios in oh, some states. Yeah. Like Punjab was one of the worst states for it as well. It was awful, mm. you know, um, for both abortion and for female infanticide once a baby was born. Yeah, they, there's been so much work done to change the attitudes over there. Yeah, but yet not much work has been done here because there is already as i said that expectation that we would know better yeah but we don't obviously the communities don't know any better they are still keeping that terrible way of thinking alive and there's this whole kind of like oh god we've already got one daughter that's all right we can manage that but another one yeah my god you know like or you know a third one what the hell you know and so people are made to feel ashamed you know and and so the pressure is on guys and girls you know they're both in it together husbands and wives are in it together sometimes they are pressured into these making these kind of decisions and are not they don't necessarily sometimes feel able to argue back yeah just as a a side point jojo b in a consensual situation how much do you feel uh, a man should have in that choice of a woman having an abortion I mean, it depends on the situation, but if mm. you're in a relationship, then I think that should be a, a decision that's made between the two of you. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, like I said, I, I feel the same way. A lot of people would disagree with me um, and say that really it's a, it's, it's a woman's carrying it, so it is whole, wholly a woman's choice. I think if you're in a healthy, happy relationship, that you would then, you would hope that you would be able to make that decision with your partner. Yeah. Um. I feel like if you're in a shitty relationship or it was a one night stand or someone forced you into a situation, then, you know, the woman gets to choose. Mm, that's yeah. my that's my opinion. No, I, yeah, I agree to that somewhat. If the guy's I, not going to be around, then why should he get a say? What if he says that he is willing to be involved in the child and wants to be a father of it? But he's not in a relationship with you. Mm-hmm then you can't rely on that person to be actually stick by his word, I don't think. Mm. Personally. Yeah. No, no, it's a... It's a, it's a I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's aside from the gender issue, that's more of a kind of when when's an abortion the right thing to do? And as I said, might not agree with the decision-making process. Yeah. But I do agree with the right to have the ability to do it. The choice to have it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, it is uh, a, a massive issue within our communities. Abortion as a whole is a massively controversial, yet an important topic uh, within the wider UK society. Um, and I've always been an advocate in, for women to have a choice, choice to have, choice to have not. Um, but it does boil back down to the reasons for having it. And I think that when you talk about gender bias, I think that's um, that's a no-no as far as I'm concerned. It's like we've said previously on this show, having a child, whatever the sex, is a massive gift. And people take for granted the fact that they can have children. And I've seen parents with like six kids and trying for a seventh, you know, and some of them are lucky to do that. 
but unfortunately some people aren't and the struggle to have children when it's you know an incomplete life sometimes it feels for these people without one and the choice is taken out of their equation completely and to have a baby girl would be you know the icing on their cake and they're unable to do so and for people within our community to have abortions purely based on the fact of having a girl i think is appalling and again it comes back down to education and discussion something that we reiterate in every single show without fail and unfortunately for another topic in the native immigrants podcast it's the only solution and it's really the only way forward also can i one last point on this this is a woman who has been born and allowed to grow up and then make this horrible decision hmm. imagine if that decision had been made about that woman yeah exactly you know, imagine if her life had been taken away from her while she was in the womb or after she came out and they decided we don't want this girl you know and we're gonna dump her in a dustbin or something yeah you know imagine that like i can't i can't fathom why a woman would want to do that to another female yeah but like i said a lot of the time it's not there it's not their choice and it's, I think that's one of the big problems within our communities. I think that you're underestimating a lot of women. I think that that, that attitude is rife. No, of course, yeah. They've all got mother-in-laws and mothers who tell them exactly the same yeah. thing. You're right. You're right. It's, it's, it's such a sad, sad, inherent problem within our communities. And they have to change. And, you know, unless we make that change today, how many amazing women scientists women teachers women doctors how many women lawyers how many women accountants how many women astronauts how many women physicians how many women politicians have we stopped ourselves from seeing because of ridiculous decisions today it has to stop and hopefully you know projects like pink Ladu will go will carry on and more will spring up and that change of attitude will come with those initiatives growing and kind of educating people hmm. to see the value of a girl absolutely i hope we live long enough to see girls valued as equally as boys within our communities right well that's the end of another episode of the native immigrants podcast i'm swami barakas and i'm jojo b and we'll catch you all again next week, people. Peace. See ya.